May 30th. And now we'll be reading from the New Testament, this time the book of John, chapter 18, verse 25, through chapter 19, verse 22. We'll learn about the crown. Jesus and Pilate had been talking about a kingdom, so it was only right that the king have a crown. It was meant for mockery, but it preached a powerful message, for Jesus was wearing the consequences of Adam's sins. But a crown is a sign of victory. He has overcome. And then, of course, there's the cross. Jesus started out bearing his own cross, but then Simon was drafted to carry it for him. We're not told why, although tradition says that Jesus fell and could not carry it. But considering all he had been through, that's not difficult to believe. Criminals carried the cross as a sign of guilt, and Jesus was not guilty. And we'll read about the conquest. It is finished, was the cry of a conqueror. Jesus accomplished what all of the old covenant sacrifices could not do. The prophecies and types were fulfilled, and the sacrifice for sins made once and for all forever. It was not a martyr that Joseph and Nicodemus put into that tomb. No, it was a victor. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. May 30th, John chapter 18, verse 25, through chapter 19, verse 22. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, they, the guards, asked him again, "'Aren't you one of his disciples?' I am not, he said, but one of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go in themselves because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover feast. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own laws, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back inside and called for Jesus to be brought to him. "'Are you the king of the Jews?' he asked him. Jesus replied, "'Is this your own question, or did others tell you about me?' "'Am I a Jew?' Pilate asked. "'Your own people and their leading priests brought you here. Why? What have you done?' Then Jesus answered, "'I am not an earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought when I was arrested by the Jewish leaders.' But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate replied, You are a king, then? You say that I am a king, and you are right, Jesus said. I was born for that purpose, and I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release someone from prison each year at Passover. So, if you want me to, I'll release the king of the Jews. 
But they shouted back, No, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a criminal. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers made a crown of long, sharp thorns and put it on his head, and they put a royal purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked, and they hit him with their fists. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify! Crucify! You crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our laws he ought to die, because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. You won't talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who brought me to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders told him, If you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon of the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Carrying the cross by himself, Jesus went to the place called Skull Hill, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him. There were two others crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign over him that read, Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate replied, What I have written, I have written. It stays exactly as it is. I want to talk today about what to do when your joy is running low. Look at John chapter 2. It says Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. That's my message today, by invitation only. Why would Jesus go to a wedding? It says that Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. You'd be surprised where God will show up when he's invited. It's not just in church. It's not just on the mountaintop experiences. God is my shepherd in the valley. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
show up and walk with me if he's invited. Have you welcomed Christ into your Christmas season? Because he won't invade it. Jesus will let you go through this whole season where you celebrate the Savior stressed out if that's what you want to do. But if you invite him in, the Prince of Peace will come in. He'll, he'll come in. But the Bible says nearby stood six stone water jars, common jars used for an everyday purpose. And Jesus said, I want those. That's what I want to use to reveal my glory here in Cana of Galilee. In this moment, I want to reveal my glory. I want to take an ordinary moment and do an extraordinary thing. We want God to show up in great glory, and he comes looking like a baby. We want God to do something spectacular, and he starts with something small. Could it be that you will miss Christ this Christmas because he is hiding in the common? A common jar was the setting for an uncommon miracle. Have you invited him into every area of your life? Have you invited him into those empty places when the wine ran out? Do you know where to go? Sometimes inviting God doesn't have to be pretty. It's just, God, help me. And he'll show up right there in the middle of a dysfunctional family. I'm telling you, God is comfortable in the chaos. He'll walk into the wedding if he's invited. He'll come into the dry place if he's invited. Today we're reading Psalm 119, verses 113 through 128. Double-minded people are unstable people, and unstable people eventually fall. If you put God's Word first in your life, it will hold you up and you will not fall. Cultivate a holy fear of the Lord and His Word, and you will not be ashamed of your hope. God's Word will assure you and enable you when you feel the oppression of the enemy. God's people are aliens in enemy territory, and only the Word can protect them from the lies of the oppressor. But you must accept all that God's Word says about all things. If you love the truth, you must also hate the false. Psalm 119, verses 113 through 128. I hate those who are undecided about you, but my choice is clear. I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my only source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil minded people, for I intend to obey the commands of my God. Lord, sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me, and I will be saved. Then I will meditate on your principles continually. But you have rejected all who stray from your principles. They are only fooling themselves. All the wicked of the earth are the scum you skim off. No wonder I love to obey your decrees. I tremble in fear of you. I fear your judgments. 
Don't leave me to the mercy of my enemies, for I have done what is just and right. Please guarantee a blessing for me. Don't let those who are arrogant oppress me. My eyes strain to see your deliverance, to see the truth of your promise fulfilled. I am your servant. Deal with me in unfailing love, and teach me your principles. Give discernment to me, your servant. Then I will understand your decrees. Lord, it is time for you to act, for these evil people have broken your law. Truly I love your commands more than gold, even the finest gold. Truly, each of your commandments is right. That is why I hate every false way. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands fairness in every business deal. He sets the standard.